0: Welcome back to the Behind the Well Show, Roger and Elias, back in studio. You made a good point today earlier, Elias. Did I? It's starting to feel like spring. It's getting sunny out. We were kind of talking about working out and how if you get outside and get some sunlight, run a couple miles, it makes you feel better.
1: Just getting the sunlight. I'm a, I'm a big. Uh, I don't know anything about them, but I'm a bit, especially in the when it is sunny. I make a point to get sun every day. And then I saw a commercial about these red light machines that you can have in the winter time. I'm a big, uh, I'm a big believer in the, the sunlight stuff, whatever that means. But
0: okay. The older I get, the more hippie, like I won't say hippie, but more gimmicks I'm looking for. You ever heard gimmicks. of, have you heard about the hyd- hydrogen water bottle? No. Yep. I bought one. Okay. What does it do? It's it hy- hydrogen in your water. Supposed to like stop inflammation and help with a whole bunch of stuff in your body by infusing your water with hydrogen. I'm sure I got ripped off for sixty dollars, but I bought one. My wife's like, What is this? I'm like, It's it's my hydrogen. How water. long does it last? You fill it up, it's got a plug in, pumps the hydrogen, it's probably like twenty ounces of water. But how does it get hydrogen in there? It's got an electrode in the bottle. Like it's a unit that's got a plug in in the bottle with glass. So it's like metal, glass, metal. It's got a USB plug in the bottom. You plug it in with the water in it for X amount of time, and then it infuses the water with hydrogen. <laughs> yeah, I made you cough. It's awesome. <laughs> You're making so much fun of me. I love it. <laughs> Sorry.
1: Oops. Glad. I just
0: don't know how I. I I'm glad your works. reaction to my new gimmick was. You, I choked on my choked coffee. You choked on your coffee. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's one of those things. The older you get, the more you. you about hey are the different ways i can improve my health and it's a shortcut and there's not really many shortcuts other than just working out but you made a you actually made a comment about gyms and it wasn't negative anyway it just said you know i see a lot of people at the gym who are older age and some are working out really hard and some are you know doing 10 reps and having a chatting situation and i made a comment i said well you know One of the things is if you look at people who are over age 65, half of those people are widowed or divorced or never been married. So they're looking for social outlets to go meet people. And I know like my wife, she goes to the gym to work out, but she has created these great relationships with all these different friends she has through the gym. And most of the people she's friends with at the gym are all older than her. There may be a few that are younger, and I get it. They're probably still hang out the same group that's been together for ten or fifteen years, so they're aging together. But for a lot of people, the gym is their social spot. If they're single or widowed or divorced or whatever it is, they're like, "Hey, this is the place I can go. That's a non-drinking environment. Go meet people who are worried about physical fitness and kind of hang out." And it is. It's it.
1: That's what I see. I there are. Um, I think it can turn into a social. A social hour, a socializing aspect of someone's life in retirement. Um, even just going to the gym, and although it, I go to just work out, you know. So I like to use the machines too. And if people are sitting there, maybe talking, not using the machine, I might be a little annoyed by that. But I should be sympathetic to the fact that it could be a widowed person that's not really sure they're lonely. Yeah. And they're they're there. That's where their friends are, at, you know, six o'clock in the morning. And so they're going to talk and have a good time. And I'm not, ne- I've never. I just, I don't want anyone to think I'm the guy in the gym shooing people off of machines. I absolutely don't do that, but some are there to socialize and work out and some are just there to work out, I guess, is what it comes down to.
0: Well, it kind of got me thinking about, we talk a lot about people retiring that are Married, Like a lot of people just think about retirement as married. There's are single people retiring every single day. And for single people who retire, it's a little bit different. I mean, they're typically in a higher tax bracket, not because they make more money, but because single people are taxed differently than married people. And I really find that this is where a lot of the rules of thumb don't work quite as well. For single individuals, meaning, you know, we've all heard the 4% rule. Well, does that still work for a single individual? Because arguably, if you take 4% out, you might be paying a lot more tax than a married couple. And I think for single individuals, a financial plan is probably maybe even more important than just going by blanket advice. I
1: think I can think of a lot of reasons to start to make an argument that it is more important. I mean, you just mentioned one, your taxes are more expensive. So that's a hurdle against your investment returns, right? As you take money out, your income sources are typically less. Like there's there's enough married couples today that there's two social security checks, still two pensions. That's not as common, right? That's getting less and less common, but okay, right there, there's four checks coming in. Every month, different amounts, but you know those are coming in every month. Well, if you're a single person, you can just eliminate two of those right away. Social Security, you're only gonna have one. If there was two pensions, now maybe there's only one. So your, uh, your investment portfolio is gonna be more, have more responsibility as far as driving your income.
0: Well, and typically it's not half as much to live on. I mean, think about it. If if you have a three hundred thousand dollar place you live in, a condo or whatever, well, it's the same cost. Where there's one or two social security checks. Yeah, I get it. You don't have. Yes. Okay. You know what what I mean? Like it's not half. Everybody thinks, oh well, there's one person. Yeah, it's not. It's not half. Yeah, it's not. Your home is still the same cost to just live by yourself. There's some things that are less expensive. You have one car, one car insurance, half the groceries, half of those bills, but. Still, there's these certain necessities in life that have the same exact cost. Well, most things. Now, the good news is if you're a single individual, the financial plan is typically simpler because there's not as many moving parts. You don't have to worry about, well, when does this person die and when do we lose a Social Security check and which Social Security check will we get and what happens to this? Like it's just more cut and dry. But it's really important for a a single individual to get this plan done. And another thing that, you know, I see single individuals struggle with that retire is they don't really communicate the plan to some of the beneficiaries. And one one of the key ways is long-term care. You know, we know that about 69% of people in America are going to need some type of long-term care. Now, when I refer to long-term care, I'm not referring to just you're in a nursing home. It could be you need in-home health care, assisted living, nursing home. Everybody thinks this care is only needed because you get old. That's not true. There's a lot of people who get in a car accident or laid up for a year that need some kind of in-home health care. In fact, I had a client, this is probably eight years ago, got in a car accident. And he was maybe early 60s at the time. And he shattered his hip, you know, long-term care policy. And he bought it not from me, from somebody else. But that long-term care policy actually kicked in and was taking care of him in his early 60s for like a year or two while he recovered from this hip problem. Well, sure enough, he never went to a nursing home facility. He passed away but never went to the nursing home. So kind of got his money out of the long-term care. But you should let your family members know what your plan is. You know, Do you have long-term care insurance? Where do you want to go? How are you going to pay for this care? You should let people know how you want to handle you know, the long-term care if something happens to you.
1: Yeah, and that part, I mean, even that's important even if you are married, right? Because it's really not realistic for one spouse to take care of the other. A lot of people approach it that way, but that's very hard on people. And a lot of times in those scenarios, what you see is that the healthy person, their health starts to de- deteriorate faster because they're spending so much time and energy taking care of the of the uh, the person involved that needs the care and then if you're single you know you won't even have that person there so you got to have something you have to have some plan for how you're going to deal if you're a
0: single person and you don't want your kids to take care of you which i think most people don't expect their kids to take care of them at least i don't um tell your kids i don't want you to give up your life to take care of me this is what i want to do and then figure out how to put a plan together for it uh, you know, another consideration that people really have to think about is how are you going to claim social security? If you're divorced, you may have options to, 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 or to claim social security on your ex-spouse's social security benefit. So once again, another thing you, it makes the planning even more difficult. You know, if you get a married couple in here, what's your benefit? What's your benefit? Oh, okay. Easy to figure out. Well, I was married, you know, I was divorced. You know, you have to be married for X amount of time, you can't remarry, but there may be options that you didn't even think about to claim a benefit. So just another, another thing to think about, you know, how are you going to handle your health care, your estate planning documents? Who's going to be health care power of attorney? Who's going to be your financial power of attorney?
1: And those are, and those are things you do, you get really everyone, you should consult a, an attorney to help you do that. And it typically there's a lot of attorneys out there that do it but yeah you want to have that documented documented correctly and then wherever you have investment accounts you want them to have those documents or established you know typically every firm has a process of putting a POA on an account right to help someone who needs the financial POA help
0: but point is with a single individual this becomes more difficult. It's not as easy as just having my spouse do it.
1: Correct. You're going to have to designate someone that you can trust
0: to do it the way you want. Right. Child, friend, somebody. It just It's more things people don't think about. A lot of single people are like, well, it's just me. I don't have any kids. I don't really need to do anything. Right? Well, maybe not, but who's going to make decisions when you can't? Because at some point... Most of us are going to get to the point where we can't make decisions for ourselves.
1: Yeah. I hope at least of my three children, one of them is I designate responsible enough to help take care of me. Which one do you think it's going to be? Um, I can probably, I could probably bet pretty good which one it'll be. Put it on record. It'll be Nellie, our daughter.
0: Yeah. I think it'll be Blakely, my oldest. She's our oldest.
1: That's, I just think that's kind of, you know, she's the oldest, she's the most caring, the most responsible. Now she's also four years older than her youngest brother, who's five. But all things keep going the way they're going, it'll probably be her.
0: Yeah, I think it'll be our oldest, too, likely
1: We'll see. And I just, I think she's a girl, too, so I feel like she'll be more, like, sympathetic and nurturing towards us when we're old than the boys will be.
0: <laughs> like a I, don't know why. I don't
1: know why I think that, but I do.
0: You know, I I think one kinda, you know, tip for those people who become a single after retirement, because you know, that's kind of a sad thing when you retire and you're married and you went into this with two people and something happens and, you know, it's gonna happen at some point. You should really try to make sure you educate yourself on personal finance, especially if you were the person who wasn't handling the finances.
1: And this, there's a lot of value in having a relationship with the firm and this topic, because we have widowed clients, whether it's male or female, doesn't really matter. But in the situation where the person who has been widowed, and they were not the, we call it the financial driver of the house, right? They were just letting the other person handle it and trust us and all these i've had i've had multiple people compliment and say things like you know if my husband or my wife hadn't have like established this relationship with you guys i wouldn't know where to go or who to trust and how to do all this and they've and financially their life has just continued the way it was supposed to continue
2: are you ready to take control of your financial future The financial professionals at Premier Investments and Wealth Management are the guides you've been looking for. Picture this, a financial plan tailored exclusively to you. Our team of experienced professionals will work closely with you to understand your aspirations and develop a personalized roadmap to get you there. Whether you're dreaming of retirement, buying a new home, or sending your kids to college, we've got the tools to give you confidence in your financial life. We'll help you navigate saving and investing, retirement income, and tax strategies. Our job is not just about making money. It's about helping our clients make smart choices. We'll provide you with the tools and knowledge to confidently steer your financial ship toward a brighter future. Are you ready to embark on your financial journey with confidence? Visit www.btwealthshow.com or click the link in the description of this podcast. Your financial future awaits.
0: Well, you know, we, we use the acronym, you know, how do you determine if you need help from an advisor, time, desire, knowledge, TDK? It's not always just for you. There could be, you know, a married couple, there could be one person with the time, desire, knowledge to do this. Now, they don't have the technology to do it. You should probably add that in there now because 15 years ago, we kind of came up with that. Technology was not as important, but technology today, you might be totally comfortable doing all of this yourself. But what happens when you're not here? Does your spouse have the time, desire, and knowledge to do it? And we work with a lot of people now that have come here not because they need the help or they won't admit they want the help, but it's, hey, if something happens to me, I want my spouse to be somewhere with someone who has a relationship they can trust and they don't have to go start making financial decisions which they haven't done for the last 40 years. I don't want them to have to do that at a time of distress because that's actually how people get taken advantage of.
1: Oh, absolutely. And that's a terrible time. One, it's terrible. You just lost a loved one and you're not in the right emotional state to make great decisions. It'd be easy for someone to take advantage of. And you. let
0: me tell you why it's a terrible time because there's a couple people who are going to be calling on your spouse when you die Who's the that? insurance agent's going to be out there. The fixed annuity guy is going to be out there. Whatever, whatever you guys had, every person that you had an investment account with is going to call in your spouse. Cause they're going to, they're going to file a death claim. I had the situation with a client like three months ago, never met this insurance agent, but they had a life insurance policy. Pretty soon he's pitching her a product that's, totally unacceptable for a person who's 76 years old. Really? You know who I'm talking about. I don't remember this story. I maybe didn't tell you, but she's like, she called me. She's like, what do I do? I'm like, he doesn't need to come to your house. It's a death claim. You've never met the guy. Why would he need to come to your house to send you the paperwork? But people will pray. Bring
1: the paperwork here. We'll get this done. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, insurance companies don't want to lose money. I'm not beating up insurance companies. I'm not beating up insurance agents. But, you know. Why would an agent that you've never met in your entire life now need to come to your house to get the death claim paperwork signed? They don't. They're preying on the person who didn't handle the finances and this person did not handle the finances. So, good reason to yeah, have a, a Yeah, it's a good, right? A good good, good reason, reason to have a firm you're already working with. Yeah. If she, I promise you if she wouldn't have been working with us, guess what would have happened? She'd have bought what they were selling.
1: Well, now you got Slick Willie, the insurance rep, at your kitchen table. Been doing
0: 18 months. That Don't care if it's right for you. <laughs> what's going to pay them the most? Right. You know, never, we've, we've never, all heard
1: Never that. done any financial planning nope. on your behalf. Doesn't know anything about your situation. You need but this there, life insurance policy. There's a commission to be made. So
0: Yep. Yeah.
1: Well, here's the good news. Our clients don't have to worry about that.
0: But that's why a lot of our clients not a lot, but there's a select few number of clients who I would call are very, very educated on investments in planning and could probably do some of the investing. They probably can't do all the planning and logistics. But like if you went out and started talking about mutual funds and ETFs and different investments, they've got a decent level of knowledge or enough to maybe be kind of dangerous. Yeah,
1: enough to be dangerous, which is maybe good or bad for them. That's a different conversation. Depends.
0: But they're here because they're worried about when I'm not here, what happens? I've had two in the last 90 days that, Hey, I think I'm pretty good at this, but if something happens to me, I need to know that my spouse does not have to worry about this stuff. So just, um, just a tip for those who become single after retirement, but there's other things, you know, I think about a lot people who want to retire early and there's some things that just people don't talk about retiring early. And I'm not talking about the fire movement. We've talked about the fire movement. That's, you know, financially independent, retire early. And this was like all the craze on YouTube and TikTok and all this stuff. Like, I don't know, 24 months ago. I haven't seen that much recently where people like I have a million dollars. I'm 40 years old. I'm going to retire. Well, they've never done a plan that probably won't work out. Um, but I'm talking about people, when I talk about early retirement, I'm talking like 55, 59 and a half, 62, like pre-full retirement age. There's just some things that people aren't being told about the reality of this situation. There that, is. That, that's not as rosy as it sounds. What
1: are a few of those things?
0: I think the number one is healthcare cost. Yeah. You know, you saved a bunch of money when you know, you're know you 59 years old and all of a sudden you get slapped in the face that this is going to cost you $1,500 a month. Did you plan for that? Our clients will, cause we talk about it, but if you haven't done a plan, do you know what healthcare is going to cost you? And here's the one thing it typically doesn't get cheaper. Your healthcare.
1: No. I mean, how many times cheap. your
0: health insurance rate went down? It's not going to go down ever. Likely. A couple of things about health insurance that people actually don't think about. It's not just the premium, but most people who have employer insurance, they've got dental, they've got vision. Well, you're going to be in charge of your own dental. You're going to have your own vision you're going to have to pay for. And, you know, the older we get, our teeth don't get better. Our vision doesn't get better. Those become expenses. You know, my uh, I have a gentleman I know. He has to get some teeth work done. And he's been given the choice. He's got to get this top. His top teeth have to come out. Well, you can get dentures, and they're like six grand, or you can get veneers, which are, you know, like real teeth, thirty six thousand. Whoa. With no dental coverage. So what do you think he's picking? The, the worst dentures. option. Yeah. People don't think about that. Can you handle a six thousand dollar event if you get a? Something happens and you have to get dentures or veneers or whatever it is. So there's just a lot of things people don't think about healthcare wise if they retire early. But another issue with retiring early, and this is probably the biggest one we see, I'm sure it is, it's just the emotional and social adjustment to this part of your life. And part of it's financial, the emotional adjustment. But the other part is just the social aspect of this because if you don't know what you're going to do in retirement, it can be pretty lonely. And everybody thinks retirement's going to be great. And for a lot of people it will be very nice. There's a select few number of people that we've seen that once they retire, they kind of hit this downward spiral. It's more yeah, and I think it's
1: it's kind of a purpose thing, right? It's easy to lose your sense of purpose when you retire if you're not kind of mindful about doing activities and doing other things and I just I think about myself sometimes and well most of my a lot of my identity or who I feel that I am comes from my career right it's like it's it's what you do for a living but also it becomes who you are too and that can be a challenging thing to walk away from if you spend so many years developing the skills and being in a business and an industry and being tied to it. You know, it can kind of, it can leave you kind of wondering, well, what's my purpose purpose now? So I think you do have to make, you have to be mindful about connecting with people in a different way at that point. It could be a new hobby. It could be a new group. Um, There's some retired clients that that I work with that over the last couple of years, they've started playing pickleball and they joined a book club, which I thought were great things for them to do. And they have been, they've made new friends, they play a new sport, they're reading books and then going to a club to talk about them. But they didn't just like, they didn't kind of accidentally do those things. They actually set out to find things to kind of recraft their, their purpose in life and how they're going to spend time. Well, and it's been effective for them.
0: That's one but there, there's another thing I see happen and it's actually kind of scary because nobody intends for this to happen but there's a correlation between increase in addiction alcoholism after retirement we've had Is some, there really yeah well think about it it's accessible you don't have you have more time you may not have had an alcohol problem before you retire but people develop it i I know at least four or five clients that I've seen develop a problem after they retire because they're bored they have more time they don't have a purpose and none of them set out to have a problem it all happened accidentally hey yeah i'm gonna meet my buddy down at the we're gonna go golf and then we're gonna go have a drink when we're done golfing and that happens three times a week and then pretty soon it's hey yeah meet me here every day we're gonna meet here at three o'clock and it just goes and goes and goes until people have developed a real problem with it. So I think having a purpose is really, really important going into retirement and knowing what you're going to do. But we talked a little bit about the emotional part of the monetary part. It's really hard for people in retirement, Elias, to switch from I've saved, saved, saved for 30, 35, 40 years to now I got to flip the switch and use this money. People really, really struggle. They do with that part of retirement. Yeah, and I mean. know. People personal and close to me are just like, I can't do it. Like, even though they know they're going to be okay, it's hard to grasp that they need to start using this money. They'd rather have less lifestyle than use the money that they've saved.
1: I just had a conversation yesterday that the only thing keeping this person working is – they don't want to spend money out of their investment accounts. And it's they know that they can. They're just not comfortable with the idea. And she actually admitted, I before I ever even talked about this concept, she said something. She said, I have saved this and trained myself not to use it, and I'm really struggling with how I'm actually going to use it. But she didn't know when she made that comment. She didn't know that's a very common emotion that a lot of people go through.
0: I'm guessing not everybody tells us, but they're internally, personally struggling with it. They just don't share it with us.
1: I'm sure we will, too. I mean, I, I'm not there yet, right? So I don't know how it's going to make me feel. But I'm sure when I get to that age and I look at my re- investment accounts, I'm not going to think... Great! Now I get to spend this money. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. No, I don't you know. Won't. It's hard. I'm, right? I'm gonna want to. I'm gonna want. No, I like that. I like that. it I'm not. I'm not supposed to spend
0: it. I just put myself so s-
1: trained in doing that. While
0: we were sitting here, I just tried to put myself in the position of. Oh wait, I've saved this. now I'm gonna spend it, and here's the two things that came to mind. I got to be careful because I can't recover, and the market just went down thirty percent. Yeah. And now you're spooked. Here's why it's important for me because I haven't put a plan together yet because I don't need to. But every one of our customers that come here think the same way. But what do we do? We build bucket strategies. So they say, oh, I'm not so worried about because I have this cash bucket sitting here, income or growth or whatever it is. But if I get spooked about it, so do other people. And there's some people, there's a small percentage of people that don't care. And frankly, will go through their money way faster than they thought. We've seen that too. But back to early retirement and some of the risks, I think, Two of the biggest risks with retiring early, and and they're hard to quantify because we don't know what they're going to be, longevity and inflation. We don't know how long someone's going to live, and we don't know what inflation's going to do. But here's what I know. If you're dependent upon a pension and a Social Security check, at some point, inflation's going to bite if you didn't save money. And I'll use my grandpa. As an example, he retired from teaching after, I don't even know, tired early. I want to say 61, 62 from teaching at Ames High. And when he retired, they had a nice IPERS check and two good Social Security checks for my grandpa and my grandma. Well, grandma's still alive. And I want to say, I don't know what the diapers check is, but today, you know, we're talking 25 years later, that IPERS check's not that much.
1: Well, it's not. It's not what it once was. It's not.
0: It's You know, in today's world, they'll probably be six or seven thousand bucks. But now, you know, back then, maybe it's twenty three hundred dollars like it doesn't go very far today. So for people who have a pension and Social Security and they're like, well, I don't need to save any money because, you know, I have my retirement right here. That's a fallacy. You still need some money because that's going to become your hedge against future inflation things are going to get more expensive what happens if you lived in 93 and your purchasing power was cut in half if you easy math here elias if you retire at 60 on a pension and social security which basically no cost of living adjustment i'm not going to count social security because most of that's going to go to the increased medicare premiums that you're going to have so you retire at 60 25 years later with 3% inflation, your money, your spending power is cut in half. So if you're yeah. living on $60,000 a day, can you live on the equivalent of $30,000 25 years in the future? And if you can, then you don't need to save any more money. But I don't well, know anybody who wants their lifestyle cut in half.
1: No one does. And at that point, you might even be thinking about going back to work and returning to the workforce, which is another risk of, that needs to be managed. And at some point you almost kind of age out of the workforce, right? Like at some point you're not going to be able, you're going to apply somewhere and it's probably age discrimination, but I bet you there's situations where they're I can't hire someone this old. Well, there's not s- enough useful years out of them.
0: That's maybe not what's going to happen. It's going to be this. They're not going to say you're too old. It's going to be, well, you haven't done this for 10 years. So you don't have the skill set to do it. If you yeah, retire at 60, you're coming you're back at old, 72. But it's going to be
1: hard to get a job.
0: No, it goes back to our whole technology conversation I think we had last show. If you haven't done it for 10 or 12 years, how, do you, how are you going to get back in the workforce? Like you don't even know what's happening. Think how much our industry has changed in 10 years. I can't imagine. I retired 12 years ago. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to come back.
1: Might be a challenge just to create your own passwords at that point.
0: Oh my God. <laughs> it might be. Yeah. So I think, but that's really why, you know, creating a very personalized financial plan becomes a more crucial and critical component of retiring early because you have to have someone who helps account for all of these what if this happens scenarios. How do we work through this? And that actually in our planning software. We have what are called what if scenarios. So, if anybody hasn't done a financial plan, you can go to btwellshow.com. You can click the link in this description to go get that done. Um, and, you know, as we know, 2024 for us is the year of personalized advice. One thing we want to do on this podcast every week is take a common piece of financial advice and instead of focusing on why you should do it, try to challenge a reason why you shouldn't because it's blanket advice. And I'm going to throw this softball out to you this week Elias. Yeah. This one's this is a softball. Tell me why asset allocation should not take what we call blanket advice. And now let me preface what the blanket advice typically is. Rule of thumb, we hear this a lot. That's brought up is you take 1 minus your age and that's how much you should have in the stock market.
1: In my opinion, this is the worst blanket rule of thumb advice that exists out there in investing in financial planning. So in that old, the old rule of thumb, 100 minus age is your stock exposure. Okay, let's talk about myself. 100 minus 35. So, as a 35 year old, I should only have 65 percent stock market exposure. I can beat that argument up all day. What's my time horizon is so long, and am I really that worried at this age about downside risk? No, I'm worried about accumulating and having money. And the other part of it is, how did who came up how who came up with that? That doesn't factor in anything about you your goals, your risk tolerance, like all the things that go into working with someone and coming up with an allocation for them doesn't factor in any of those things. Yeah. So how do you, how is that a prudent way to invest money? And who even follows that? People that don't do a plan.
0: I mean, if you think about what- I've never
1: met someone who said that's how I picked my
0: allocation. I guarantee there's people that do it. I'm sure there are. There, there's gotta be. Um, But I think what you said is important needs to be personalized. And I think that's one of the core things that creating a financial plan does is it leads you to your optimal asset allocation. Everybody has one. And what we're really doing when we do that, Elias, is we're removing what we call risk tolerance. That's important. Risk tolerance is, hey, how much risk can you handle? The problem with that is most people don't know what risk tolerance really is. Know what I find risk tolerance is for a lot of people? What's my education level about the stock market? Because human nature always defaults to, hey, if it's unknown, I'm scared, so I would be more conservative. If you have an investor who comes in here and has never invested in the stock market, ever, and you ask, what's your risk tolerance? You don't think you're gonna say, really low.
1: Yeah, how old It's not because it's
0: low, it's yeah. because they don't understand. So what a financial plan does is it actually quantifies what we call risk capacity. And that's how much risk do you need to take to get the optimal outcome? And that becomes completely different because now what we've done is we've helped per- people put purpose behind why they own the investments they have versus this is a good investment because you're uh, You know, you have a risk tolerance of three, which that's arbitrary to everybody. So I want, this is how I'm going to end the show and pose it. If you haven't done a financial plan and you don't know what your risk capacity is, you're probably opting to be more conservative or you could be too aggressive. But if you went to a financial advisor and did a plan and told them my risk tolerance is really low, I think I just, I can't lose any money. And we run a plan showing all cash and your probability of not running out of money was 0%, would you be happy with that result? The answer is no, that's gonna scare people. But if we do a financial plan that says, hey, Mr. Individual or Mrs. Individual, if you have a portfolio that's 50% stock or 40 or whatever it is, your probability of success becomes 85%. We just empower that person and gave them purpose as to why to invest. And they won't panic when the market goes down because they know why they own the investments. It's not about the market's good or bad, it's about this is the only way I can get an optimal outcome. And that's what
1: that's what people want. That's what they right? do. A, a customer, a client, might not ever kind of just say it that directly, but the, the outcome is what everyone comes
0: here for. Let's switch it to a more human, humanistic question. You go to the doc, you go to the doctor and you have a foot problem and the outcome is a 0% chance it gets better if you don't do surgery, which you're deathly scared of. You don't want to ever do surgery because you don't know anything about it. The probability that you get better is zero. Or if you do this surgery that has a 95% chance of success, your foot is going to be 100% normal. What are you doing?
2: Let's you can be as scared of
0: a needle and a knife Let's and all the stuff as you are, you're going to do it. And that's the same thing in our world. We're trying to help people get the best possible outcome we can by putting together this financial plan. With that said, I want to thank everybody for listening and watching the show today. Uh, if you're looking to get started on a plan or if you haven't done one, or if you're looking to get your one page premier vision document, you can click the link in the description. You can go to our website, BT well show, click, get started. We'll get you going. If you enjoy content like this, hit the subscribe button and support the channel. Once again, I want to thank everybody for listening, and hopefully we'll catch you next week.
3: Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. This information is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax advice. We suggest that you discuss your specific tax issues with a qualified tax advisor. Economic forecasts set forth may not develop as predicted and there can be no guarantee that strategies promoted will be successful. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. There is no assurance that the techniques and strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. The purchase of certain securities may be required to affect some of the strategies. Investing involves risks including possible loss of principal. Dollar cost averaging involves continuous investment in securities. Regardless of fluctuation in price levels of such securities, an investor should consider their ability to continue purchasing through fluctuating price levels. Such a plan does not assure profit and does not protect against loss.